Hello, and welcome to another message from Aldinga Bay Baptist Church. If you'd like to find out more about us or what we believe, please visit aldingabaybaptist.org.au. Well, thanks everyone. He is risen. He is risen indeed. That's it. We need to practice one. That one one more time. Let's go again. He is risen. That's, that's it. Excellent. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day that we've been able to be here on the beach earlier today while it was still dark. As the sun rose, we remembered the stone was rolled away and he is risen indeed. We thank you, Lord, for this day, a day of hope, a day of joy. Thank you that we can be here and worship you. And I pray that you'd speak into our lives the great hope, the wonderful truth. May your word live in our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Resurrection Sunday, it's, it's such a significant day, isn't it, really? Here we are this weekend on Good Friday. Jesus goes to the cross and dies for the sins of the world. And everything looks like disaster. Everything that was once hoped is now gone. But then on the first day of the week, Jesus is risen and he's victorious, we think about it, he's victorious over sin, victorious over Satan. And if you believe it, he is victorious over death itself. They're pretty significant claims, aren't they? They're almost outlandish claims. No, in fact, I think to myself, it is such a big thing what the resurrection says, yet this is Christianity. And I think to myself, how come it gets traction? Why is it that the resurrection of Jesus from the dead gets traction? There's so many different thoughts and so many different ideas out there, so many different large statements that have been said by different people over the centuries, over the millennia that have just fallen away, just come to nothing. But here we are 2,000 years on, the largest religion in the world, the largest religion there's ever been, Christianity, triumphs and goes forward. So how is it that it gets traction? That's a really good question, and it's a great question for Resurrection Sunday. It seems it's a good, it's a good question for this text, really, that Barbara's read for us, which is our text for today, the, you know, the appearance of Jesus before Mary Magdalene. Just two thoughts this morning. I want us to think about that we learn from this text about why it is that the resurrection, the story of Jesus gets traction. And they are these. One, because he shows up alive. Pretty obvious, but it's very important. He shows up alive. And then secondly, which I don't think should be lost on us, but maybe sometimes it is. They were actually glad that he showed up alive. You see, there'd be some people, if they showed up alive again, we wouldn't be too glad. Jesus is no Adolf Hitler. He's no Vladimir Putin. See, Jesus comes, he brings good news. That's the truth. So two points. Why does it get traction? 
because Jesus shows up alive and there's a beauty to the gospel. Let me take you through it. Jesus shows up alive. You know, the story here, that's how it ends, isn't it? You know, we have this, it's kind of a warm, it is definitely a warm story. It's Mary, you know, she sees Jesus and we don't know all the details that are going on in the background, but I would imagine she's bawling her eyes out and we know that she throws herself around Jesus. She's so glad to see him and Jesus actually has to tell her, Mary, let go of me. I haven't yet ascended to the Father. He's saying, just let go of me. She's so overwhelmed. But it's not how the story starts, is it? No, it doesn't start that way. It starts a little bit differently. Verses 1 and 2, it's all filled with doubt, isn't it? Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and she went to Simon, Peter, and to the other disciple and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. There's a sense when I read that where I think, well, that's pretty much a normal response. Isn't it? You know, there's a sense where that's the case. Like they rock up, you know, early hours of the day. In fact, you read the other gospels and Mary's not alone. She's with some other women. And they've come there to anoint the body of Jesus with spices and aloes. So that's a very Jewish thing to do. Someone you love has passed away and you want to show your last respect to them. So you, you take that body, which is in the grave, and you wash it and you anoint it. You try and make it smell pretty as much as possible. Your eyes, no doubt, are wet with tears. They're there to do that on this particular day, but when they get there, they find that the stone's rolled away, the body's gone, and Mary runs, and what she says is, somebody has taken him away. The body's been stolen. It's a pretty normal response to something like that. Apart from one thing, you know, there's something else going on. If you know anything about the gospel story, you know, the words of Jesus leading up to the crucifixion, Jesus tells them on a number of occasions that he is actually going to be crucified and that he's going to be raised from the dead. We looked at a passage just a few weeks ago in, in Luke's gospel. This is how it goes. The son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and he will be killed and then he says, and on the third day, he will be raised. So it does beg a question, doesn't it? We've said this before over the years at Aldinga Bay, but it does beg a very good question. Why aren't they there, you know, with expectation? Why aren't they there along with all the other disciples, just waiting and watching to see what's going to happen? I think it's a great question because particularly in the light of all the miracles that Jesus has done. I mean, Jesus has done so many things. He's opened the eyes of the blind, the, the deaf have heard, the lame have walked. In fact, we preached this passage again just a couple of weeks ago through Lent. The raising of Lazarus. It was only a week earlier. Jesus has done all these amazing things. You do sort of think to yourself, well, I do. Why aren't they a bit more expectant? Why aren't they there with some form of hope and just maybe, just maybe something is going to happen? I think it's a great question. And fortunately, we actually know the answer to it, why it is that they weren't there with expectation. Again, it's in that Luke passage, just a few verses over. Jesus says these, these words, 
you can see the strength of it. He says, let these words sink into your ears as he talks to the disciples. The son of man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. But then the passage goes on and it says this, but they did not understand this saying and it was concealed from them so that they might not perceive it. No, it was concealed from them. They didn't get it. It just, you know, Jesus says this, but it seems they've got no category for understanding it. You know, the Messiah handed over to death, the Messiah being raised from the dead. It seems it's beyond their thinking. In some ways, it seems that God himself has concealed it from them. That's how it reads. God in his sovereignty has concealed it from them. I think, well, how would that be? It's worth playing around with this idea a little bit. How would that be? Well, I think so often when God does things, he uses natural means, doesn't he? I think one of the things that would have concealed it from them, the resurrection of Jesus, would have been the fact that on the Friday, they were eyewitnesses to the most brutal death of Jesus. Everything, everything, you read the Gospels, seemed to be utterly lost. I like what it says in Isaiah 52, you know, that great passage 700 years before the ministry of Jesus that, that foreshadows this, Isaiah 52 to 54. In Isaiah 52, it says this, that his, his, his form was marred beyond the semblance of any other person. And people were astonished when they looked at him. And what that word astonished can also be translated is they were horrified and they turned their face away. So that's just it, isn't it? I think so. On Good Friday, when Jesus dies, Mary and the other women and the disciples, they are eyewitnesses to the most horrendous death. Jesus is brutalized on Good Friday, truly brutalized. And there is no doubt that he is, he is dead. And there's nowhere back from there. That is how it is. I think it's actually surprising. I think it's testimony to their love for Jesus that they show up at the tomb at all on that day. Because they must have been so afraid. Such a brutal death of their leader. I would think that they would have been fearful that that could have been their fate as well. Something just like that. I mean, the disciples are hiding out of fear of the Jews. Yet these brave women, they go to the tomb. Why? They've got a thousand questions unanswered, but they know one thing. They loved Jesus and they want to honour him on this particular day. See, that's the setting. But it all changes, doesn't it, in the blink of an eye. All of a sudden, it's different. Mary believes. And why is it that she believes? It's such an obvious thing. But it's worth saying, because it's so important, so profound, really. She believes simply because Jesus comes to her and Jesus utters her name. It's a really warm story, isn't it? But that's exactly what happens. Just hear it again. Some of those words that... Barbara read to us, Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? But supposing him to be the gardener, 
She said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, please tell me where you've laid him and I'll take him away. But Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned to him and said in Aramaic, Rabboni. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's just so warm. Why does, why does Mary believe? Why does she believe? Because Jesus comes to her. You see, I think that's really significant because when I read through the account of the resurrection, it's exactly the same every time. The only reason people believe is because Jesus comes to them. Think about that famous passage of the strangers on the road to Emmaus. It's how it is, isn't it? They're walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus on Resurrection Sunday. And they're talking to each other about the events. And Jesus shows up, but he's, he's veiled from their appearance. They just don't rec- recognise it's Jesus. And Jesus says, what are you talking about? And they say, are you kidding? Are you the only person that doesn't know? And they talk about the, the death of Jesus. And then they say, and even some women, can you believe it, showed up this morning telling us that they saw him alive. But they don't believe it at all. But then later that day, Jesus breaks bread. And it's like the veil is lifted and they see him and they believe. It's the same with Thomas and the other disciples. You know, the story of Thomas, I will never believe unless I put my fingers in the holes of his hand and my fist in the side and Jesus shows up. That's how it is. We will never believe the resurrection, I'm convinced, unless Jesus shows up. It was true of every one of them. And this is the thing, it's true for us as well. You will never believe the resurrection unless Jesus shows up and puts his finger on your life. That's how it is with spiritual things. But the beautiful thing is that he does show up. He shows up through his spirit. He shows up through the testimony of the witnesses of that first resurrection and how their lives were changed. We, do, we should really think to ourselves, shouldn't we? How can I believe this? Well, here we are 2,000 years on and Christianity is really going gangbusters. Maybe not in Australia, but it is around the world. And it's only going, it's only growing. It's only survived. It's only ever flourished because of that testimony of those people whose lives were changed. That's one reason. But there's so many other reasons as well, isn't there, of why it is we should believe Why would you ever want to believe in a resurrection? Well, because truthfully, when I look at this world, if I go right back to the very beginning, I think to myself, I honestly think to myself, surely there is a God. This world is so sophisticated. This world is so fine-tuned. This world is filled with intelligence. This world is filled with beauty. And if I'm supposed to believe it just happens, it seems a bridge too far. There is a God who created everything. And it seems to be the perennial thing, the perennial question, where did this all begin? Where did it start? And God uses that to capture our attention. And he uses that, and out of that, we start asking ourselves the question, well, what is this God like? 
Is he somebody I could know? Is he somebody that can be trusted? Is he a person at all that's interested in me? And God comes to us through those things. And that's really the second point of this sermon. Is that one of the reasons why we should believe the resurrection, why it gets traction in the first place, is because Jesus shows up alive and people's lives are changed. But another reason why we should believe this is because it is so beautiful. It is such a lovely story. And that's what comes out of this whole passage too, doesn't it? You think about it. I love this. What does Jesus say when Mary is there and she finally recognises him? Do not cling to me, for I've not yet ascended to the Father. But then listen to what he says. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. That's really lovely. That's about acceptance. That's about community. It's about family. Go say to my brothers, I'm ascending to my father. And Mary, to your father, to their father, to my God and to your God. You don't get that out of atheism. You don't get that in a blind universe, do you? Atheism tells us that you are all alone in this world. And it's such an important point to hear because it is, it is really the, the air we breathe in this society. It's what we're told all the time, that there is nobody out there, that you're all alone. And I think about that and I think, well, that's probably fine a lot of the time. It's fine when I'm young. It's fine when I'm strong. It's fine when I'm having a really good time. It's fine when I don't have anyone to answer to. You know, I can just do whatever I like for a while. But isn't it true that bad behaviour ends up catching up with you? And later on, you know, you get older and relationships that you have invested in break down, marriages fail, your health fails, and your world starts falling apart in so many different ways. And then where do you go? There is nobody listening. There's nobody to cry out to. You're all alone in this world. You see, it's so different, the message of Jesus. He is so different. And that's the beauty of the gospel. Go tell my brothers, I'm ascending to my father, my father, and your father. See, when you understand who Jesus is, that's even a more powerful statement, isn't it? Because Jesus is the second person of the triune God. God who has always been in relationship and community. And he's offering the same relationship with God as that he has himself. That's what he's talking about. See, that's the staggering thing about the gospel. God is a God who wants us to be in relationship with him. We were at our small group the other night and we we're doing this video series on, uh, it's called Jesus the Game Changer. And it's been a great series. And we've been looking at it and talk, seeing how like, Jesus has changed the world. And last week was on leadership. And there was one statement in there, it was a great video, one statement in there that really captured me. And it said this, it says that, you know, in the, in the 
with the pagan gods, Zeus and Hermes and stuff. The way they were pictured was they would come from the realms of their heaven to earth, but they would come in a disguise. They'd come disguised so they couldn't be recognised as Zeus and Hermes. But Jesus is actually the opposite. He doesn't come in a disguise. He comes to reveal what God is like. That's exactly what he does. He comes to reveal. And what's God like? Ah, God is a servant. God is all-powerful. He's almighty. You said on Friday, try looking at the sun and it will burn your retinas out. How much more God? He is beyond our comprehension. But this is the beauty of the gospel, isn't it? But he's a servant. He comes and he goes to the cross on Good Friday to die for your sins, to pay the price for your crimes. He dies in your place with great agony, the God-forsaken God as your substitute so that you can be forgiven and so that you might have life. And then he is raised victorious. See, that the beauty of the gospel is both things, isn't it? It is both. It is, there's something about the gospel which doesn't go away because it's so tangible. There's, there's something happened in history 2,000 years ago that changed the world, and that something was that the disciples believed beyond doubt, on pain of death, which it was, an exile, that he rose and they would not recant and they gained nothing from it but blows and beatings. But the church is birthed and it doesn't go away and it's not built on philosophy and just wonderful words. It's built on the resurrection of Jesus. But it is also the most beautiful thing. Jesus rose from the dead and we are glad. We are glad that he rose because look how beautiful he is. And it's exactly what you need and it's exactly what I need as well. I read this this week, just a quote from a theologian and it, it was just put so well. Deep longings pervade the human heart. We long for selfless, trustworthy, unending love. We long for unity within the great diversity of humanity. We surely do, don't we? We long for unity within the great diversity of humanity. Look at our world. We long for communication, deep communication. We long for community, for significant and earnest relationships with other people. We long for humility, where people pour themselves out unreservedly for the benefit and well-being of other people. It's true, isn't it? We long for peace and we long for harmony and we long for a selfless common good. Why do we long for those things? And the answer is design. That's the way that God made us because that's exactly what he is like. He is a God of love. He is a God of peace. He is a God of comfort. He is a God of community. He is a God of harmony. He is a God of communication. He is a God that draws us in. He says, come to me. You will not find beauty like the gospel anywhere else. It is worthy of your everything.
Another statement that I heard recently that I said in a sermon recently, the truth is we hunger physically because there is such a thing as bread. We thirst physically because there is such a thing as water. And we long spiritually because there is such a person as God. And he is reaching out to you today. So Resurrection Sunday, why does it get so much traction? So there's two reasons, isn't it? There's many, many others. There are two reasons I see in this text. He shows up. He's beyond the beyond doubt, even though that it's so magnificent. But he shows up and their lives are changed and the story goes forward from the ashes. And it is the great story. It's the story that you need for life in this world. And he's coming again to rule and to reign, to make all things as they should be because he defeated sin death, and Satan. So where are you living? What are you investing your life in? I believe there is nothing greater. And today is a great day. A great day to surrender, to live for Jesus, for it to be a turning point in our lives. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, for the gospel. For the resurrection, that's not just academic, but it's beauty. And we need to have something tangible that we believe in, not just fairy stories, but you've given us that. The world has been changed. It is no accident the world is what it is today. The Christianity has swept through and changed the place. For all the pushing back and for all the opposition, there is no denying it. The people believed the resurrection and this world was turned on its head. And how we long for the story of the gospel. In a broken world, where right now people are in agony and people are dying and there's wars as we know the Ukraine and the evils that are being perpetuated there and the horrors of persecution around the world and other places and relationship breakdown, the lack of community, the lack of conversation, the lack of respect, the lack of humility, all of those things. But you are God and you are different and you invite us to something different and it starts with you. We thank you for this. I pray that we'd be impacted by it and changed my heart, our hearts. We choose to live for you, to be like Jesus, to respond like Jesus, to be like God in that way. For we are image bearers created in your image to be like you. Thank you, Father, for sending your son. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. Thank you for sending your spirit May we be changed, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.